Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. Hey, would you turn with me to the book of Judges, the book of Judges in the Old Testament, chapter 2. We're going to be camping out for a little bit uh, there today as we continue the topic of, of sticky faith. Topic of sticky faith. You know, one of my favorite uh, events, I know the Olympics is a month gone already, a month gone, but one of my favorite track and field events is the relay races, the baton relay races, in which there are four members of a team who are competing and running at different uh, intervals, whether the 100 meters or 200, 400, I don't know how, exactly how high it goes, but they're competing to finish first, while, but they have to have a time where they pass the baton from one runner to the next, to the third, to the anchor, and so on, and win. There's a book, man by the name of Nigel Heatherington, besides having a wonderful last name. He, uh, he wrote a book about relay races, baton relay races. He's a Scottish national sprints and hurdles coach. And his number one most important thing about relay races is this. It is that the race is about the baton and not the runner. The race is about the baton and not the runner. Now, if you think about it, when you watched Usain Bolt run maybe the uh, 100 meter, it was about all about the runner, right? It was all about competing and winning the race. But in the baton relay race, the race is all about the baton. It's all about passing that baton forward and doing it quickly and efficiently. And then the second thing he says in there, he has nine points to baton racing. He says the second thing in there, it's a good idea to practice the baton pass. That makes sense. It's a good idea to practice the baton pass. Well, this baton race is a great image for sticky faith. The baton in sticky faith and in a church, it's the gospel. It's about knowing Jesus and what he has done for us and for our past generations. This is the baton that we carry and that we seek to pass on to the next generation. But as it's true in the baton race, it's also true in our life. And it's that transitions are always critical moments to faith. It's in the passing of the baton. It's in those moments of transition, both for us as individuals in our birth. That was a key moment in our life when when we uh, started school or went to middle school or high school or whether you entered the workforce or went to college. That was a key moment. You chose to get married, and if you chose to have a family, or what about when you got your driver's license? That was a key transition moment in your life. It's also true in our individual lives of faith. How does faith make those transition from one point to the next, to the next? So what we're saying in Sticky Faith is that between the transition of high school to college, between 40 to 50% of the students will not make that transition. The baton will be dropped. It's painful to see when the batons drop. This was from a picture from Rio of our women's 4x100 team in the semifinal, in which the baton was dropped. And you see the baton there between the two runners about helplessly to fall to the ground. Now, as it goes for that, that squad, they uh, were bumped right before them. And so they got to rerun the race and they ended up winning the gold medal. But when it comes to how do we as a generation pass the baton of faith to to the next generation and see that baton continue to move forward? 
Well, let's think through that image of baton passing as we go to our text today in Judges chapter 2, verses 6 through 10. This is what the word of the Lord says to us. After Joshua had dismissed the Israelites, they went to take possession of the land, each to their own inheritance. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. And they buried him in the land of his inheritance at Timnah Haris in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gaash. Listen to this verse, verse 10. After that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord or nor what he had done for Israel, who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Now, Joshua was a part of a great generation in some ways. They were great in terms that they had witnessed the Lord uh, deliver them from Egyptian slavery. They had witnessed the Lord part the Red Sea for them and and move forward on dry ground only to have the Red Sea crash down on the Egyptian army. They watched the Lord cause their shoes to not uh, disintegrate for 40 years. Walking through the tough terrain, my son's shoes disintegrated after a week, partly due to our dog and partly due to his antics. But for 40 years, their shoes, they never had to get new shoes because the Lord sustained them. When they were hungry, the Lord provided manna from heaven, bread of angels sometimes it was called. And when they complained about that, he gave them quail to eat. And when they were thirsty, the Lord gave them water from a rock. The Lord thundered on a mountain and gave them the Ten Commandments, the law, told them how to live. Like this generation had seen the Lord do amazing and incredible things. But somehow this generation never fully believed that even though they saw God move in their past and in their present, they never fully believed that God was going to take care of them in their future. So they were not allowed to go into the promised land except Joshua and Caleb. You remember the story, they were spies, and despite there being giants in the land, they said, God is able to take care of us. And so that entire generation, except for Joshua and Caleb, died in the wilderness, but they moved on into the promised land. And as we said, transitions are critical moments when it comes to matters of faith, and this was the same for the generation that came after Joshua. And it says about them, They knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Man, a part of me just wants to ask Joshua and say, what happened? What happened? How is it that so quickly after the Lord had done such amazing and mighty things in Israel that the baton of faith so quickly dropped? Now, I'm sure the sticky faith research was just in its infancy in that day and, and their conference was just getting started there. How did it drop so quickly? How did that fall so fast? Well, just this past Sunday, a week ago in our country, we we celebrated the 15th anniversary of 9-11, the attacks on that. And it's a day, and the slogan on that is, never forget. Never forget. It was really fascinating. The Washington Post published this this week. 
It said that 26% of the population of the United States, so over one out of four individuals, either wasn't born or was too young to have any memory about 9-11. My mind is blown by that statistic. So over a quarter of our population as a country does not remember the day that 9-11 happened. They don't remember how the world uh, looked before 9-11. They have no sense of where they even were. Some weren't even walking the face of the planet. And so already in events such as 9-11, we have one out of four people in our country who have no memory of it, no stories to tell, no recollection. And if a generation doesn't tell the stories that are important to them, the values that are important to them, then the next generation won't pick that up. Whereas it's hard to believe 9-11 was 15 years ago, sometimes it feels farther, sometimes it feels like yesterday, our faith is much older than that. I don't even think Dan Echternot was alive when when Jesus walked the planet. Now, let me say this. Dan told me I walked through the door. It better be short and sweet. So that was a a very very (laughs) little jab back at Dan. We have this friendly little barb going on. But our faith is much more ancient than just 15 years. Generation after generation called to pass on the baton of faith. To pass that on. So we see that even as 9-11 quickly comes and the years quickly go by, I've been sitting with the statement for this week. The Christian faith is always one generation away from extinction. Now, do I think the Christian faith will ever go extinct? No, I do not. Because I believe the Holy Spirit is at work drawing and calling people to him. But make no doubt, make no mistake. For this generation that came after Joshua, they grew up and they did not know the Lord nor the mighty things that he had done. And we are mistaking ourselves if we think that, well, the next generation, they'll just follow after Jesus like we did before. We must be intentional. We must say we are going to pass the faith on to the next generation. This is why sticky faith matters so much. Sticky faith is not just a six-week class for parents or adults here. It's not just a sermon series. It's more than just a year-long cohort that we're a part of or a task force that we're setting up. This is a part of a culture change as our church that we would have new lens to see the way that we do church and ministry. Because if we are not about passing on the faith to the next generation, then we are wasting our time. If there is no one to carry the gospel, if there is no one, uh, not a generation to know the Lord, if there is not a generation who knows what the Lord has done for us or for our ancestors, then we are wasting our time. Sadly, what the statistics tell us is that 40 to 50 percent are walking away from their faith when it comes to the transition between high school and college. Over my decade of being in student ministry, I've watched on an individual level both students who received that baton and are still running with it and carrying it on and now passing the baton on to the generation younger than than them. And I've also seen where that baton has dropped. At our last church, my wife was was a middle school director. I was a high school director. And she had a program called Confirmation in this church. And that was a year of intense study, a year of examining the faith. And at the end of the year, you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior or, or you don't. And it was her first night. Now, she never even grew up in a tradition that had confirmation. So this is her first night of confirmation 
uh, even though she had accepted Jesus in the past. She's there under the, the carport, and a car drives up with an eighth grader. The dad rolls down the window and says to Jacqueline, well, I did my best with him for 13 years. Now he's all yours. Rolls up the window, lets the boy off, goes on, goes on his way. Jacqueline thought, I didn't sign up for this. I, this is not, I don't think, in my job responsibility. But for this dad, it was almost like a dry cleaner approach. You know, when your clothes are dirty, you take them to the dry cleaner, you drop them off, you pick them up in an hour if they're really fast or the same day, and you get them clean, and then you go on your way. Sometimes when it comes to passing the faith on, this is the way as parents, and this is the way even as a church, we have enabled it to be. But the truth of the matter is that parents are the primary faith givers to children. There's just no way around that. Let me tell you this stat. For evangelical Protestant, there's a lot of words that means us, evangelical Protestant. For kids who do not feel close to their fathers, they chose Christianity 46% of the time. Okay, So if the faith of the family is Christianity they, and the child does not feel close to their dad, 46% of the time, less than one out of two kids will take the baton and will run with it. But if the child feels close to the father, then there's a 25% bounce. And that child, uh, 71% of the time, will take the baton of faith and will continue to go forward with it. Now, I love student ministry. I love being involved in the lives of students. I love equipping adults and parents. I love what I get to do. But there is no program that I have there is nothing that I can offer to you that will produce a 25% bounce that a parent can if a child simply feels close to their dad. I wish there was, but there's not. You know, we've tried something new now. If the biggest bounce is coming from the parents, we're start, I'm st I feel like a ticket broker. I'm starting to give away tickets. I had four tickets the other day to the Bats game. Gave them away to a family who went out and they started asking the kid, how do you feel close to me? What's a memory you felt close to me? What's something you love about God? To start these faith conversations. The Lynn just gave uh, four tickets to a U of L, and we've got two parents, that are, uh, two families that are going to go and ask their kids questions. Hey, what do you feel close to me? Where do you see God at work? We gave away a gift card the other day to Cheesecake Factory for somebody to take out their child. Well, I said somebody. My wife actually won this. It wasn't rigged. I promise you, it was not rigged. We gave away Starbucks and other ones, too. She said she was going to take out our 18-month-old uh, because he wouldn't be able to uh, eat any of the cheesecake, and she'd get the big one. But uh, I, I think she's actually going to take uh, Adele out, her daughter, to simply say, Adele, when do you feel close to me? Adele, what do you love about God? What's the question you could ask God? Because what the research shows us is in those moments, in those conversations, is when faith is catching, when the baton is being passed, when the baton is being passed from one generation to the next. And so parents, just, just to say this, if you all are a family that attends church, but you don't actually talk about God outside of church, in fact, maybe you go to your class as a parent, your, your kid goes to student ministry, and your, your elementary kid goes to, to, the, to the children's ministry, or your preschool, or goes in there, but there's no actual talk about God outside of the church. Hey, here's a, little, here's a little thing we need to start asking 
kids. Just ask them questions. You don't have to have all the answers. Nobody does. But we do have to start the process of building warmth in our home and to start to ask the process of talking about God. See, parents and church must move from a dry cleaner approach to discipleship of children toward a ministry partnership. What I'm not saying is that student ministry or children's ministry or preschool ministry, what I'm not saying is that we're not important. Just abolish us. Get rid of us. But what I am saying is that we are called to do this together. The parents, the ministry, the church. That what was happening in the home is happening in the church. And what's happening at the church is happening in the home. And that we become part of a ministry partnership whose goal is to see the baton of the gospel passed to the next generation. So we are called as a family of faith to see that happen. See, the truth is, it's not just parents. And if there's one question I've been asked about sticky faith, sometimes some those who are older said, my kids left a long time ago from my home. And it feels like sticky faith is just about parents. It's just about kids. And I don't even have young kids around. And my grandkids, they live two states away and another time zone away. And it just feels like the sticky faith thing, it's just, it isn't for me. But the truth is, is that sticky faith, what our call is to be a part of a church is for everyone. Because everyone, it's our job to ensure that the next generation comes to know Jesus and to follow Jesus. I read a stat this week that said upwards of 75% of families no longer look like a nuclear family. Where you've got both parents and the kids and the dog. Okay, 75% of families, they no longer look that way. In fact, almost 10% of kids are being raised by their grandparents. And so there's a real recognition here that says family dynamics have rapidly changed over the last 50 years. And so, yeah, that's great for parents, but maybe in your home you're raising a grandkid, or maybe you have a grandkid overnight, or, or maybe you know somebody who, who does, or maybe you know a kid who really doesn't have parents. See, passing on the faith is for everyone. So this speaks to the single parents, the family units where grandparents are the primary head of the household. It speaks to the single person who will never marry, which is, which is okay, and the senior adults whose kids maybe are far away. also speaks to the emerging adult just graduating college with discretionary time. All of us are charged to ensure that the gospel, the baton, is being passed to the next generation. Listen to the words from Psalm chapter 78. It'll be up on the screen or you can change, turn there. But in Psalm chapter 78, now think through this with the sticky faith lens. We have our example in Judges where the baton fell flat and hit the ground and faith just really stopped. Now let's look through Psalm chapter 78, beginning to verse number 2. The writer says this, I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things from of old, things we have heard and known. Things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his powers and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children. So the next generation, what? Would know them. Even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. 
then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds. Let me hit pause right here. Remember in Judges, it said that they did not know the Lord or know what he had done for Israel. What does this say here? That our children would put their trust in God. They would know God and they would not forget his deeds. It is almost like Judges 2.10 and, 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 and Psalm 78 verse 7 are in direct correlation here. One example of a baton falling flat. One example of a baton being passed. That they would put their trust and know God. And that they would not forget his deeds but would keep his commands. They would not be like their ancestors. A stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to him. You know, if you're a Christian today outside of an unusual circumstance, this is maybe a vision or just finding a Bible uh, on, on your own, more than likely there is somebody in your story who shared the faith with you. I'd just be curious, it'd be really interesting if we had time today to go around and to hear the examples of who was it that shared the faith? For my wife's family, Jacqueline, she was in South Florida. She'd grown up in Illinois, and, and in her middle school years, they, her family got the devastating news that her father had colon cancer. And here's a family that had it all going together, was living the American dream. Faith really wasn't in their world. When the world got turned upside down, we're looking for answers, and so they ended up in church. About three years later, her, her dad died of colon cancer, but in the meantime, there was somebody at this church he didn't have a title. He wasn't a pastor. He actually was an usher. Usher, and his name was Wally. But Wally took an interest in their family. And Wally got to know them. In the midst of the crisis, Wally was there for them. And Wally ended up leading Jacqueline's parents to Jesus. But it didn't stop there. Wally actually ended up having a conversation and spending time with Jacqueline and led Jacqueline to Jesus. And it didn't stop there. Jacqueline had a younger sister, Jessica, and Wally led Jessica to Jesus. Now, Wally was no blood relation to Jacqueline's family, but still to this day, he is still called affectionately Uncle Wally. Why? Because he believed that it was his responsibility and his joy to share the gospel, the good news, to help pass the baton. So who was it for you? And then it would be interesting to back up from that. Okay, this is for instance, for Jacqueline. Wally shared the gospel with Jacqueline and her family. But who shared the gospel with Wally? I, I don't know. Well, who shared the gospel with the person who shared it with Wally? I don't know. In fact, if you go back and, and if you do the math, we probably are somewhere relatively around 80 generations removed from when Jesus walked this planet. But yet, as I read this gospel story, I realize that somewhere along the way in each of those 80 generations, from when the gospel stories were written and Jesus walked this earth, that for 80 baton passes, that baton has been passed on to the next generation, who passed it on to their next generation, who passed it on to their next generation, 80 generations that baton has been passed. And it comes to us in this moment, in this day, to say, this is our time. This is our moment. This is the thing that God has called us to do as a church, is to ensure that when we look back in history upon this moment, 
it will be said that we were a generation, like in Psalm chapter 78, who told of what the Lord had done, who passed on the gospel to the next generation. This is our high calling as a church. Our generation, we stand on the shoulders of over 80 generations. And if you go further back, even into the writings of of the day of Joshua, how many generations has that been? which the baton has been passed generation to generation. Let it be said of us by the power of God's spirit that we were those who passed on the baton. 200 years from now, Lord Terry's, we may not be remembered. When they talk about the generation that shared it with them, who shared it with them, we all may fade to the background of history. But let it be said of us, we were a generation who passed on that baton to the next generation. And we continued that line of faith sticking from one generation to the next. Would you join me in prayer? Gracious Father, I thank you that each one of us who have received the baton of faith from the previous generation, God, I give you thanks for their faithfulness. I give you thanks for the ways that they were intentional to pass that faith on to the next generation. And God, I pray that in our day and in our time and in our life, we would do all that we have, all that we can through the power of your spirit to see that the generation who follows would also follow the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in your name we pray. hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.